is that number one mistake that women make in conversations around and about money? We all do it. I'll say it as long as everyone pinky promises that they're not going to like try to fix it, right? Because we're fixers. This isn't a fixable thing. It's just an acknowledgement of it and to notice it. That's all. It is that we make financial decisions for other people from our own financial positioning and experience. And that can look as simple as they could totally afford it. They could never afford it. It's as simple as that. And in business, it shows up. That's really the manifestation of it is that part or judgment in a conversation or sales process. But it starts before you open your eyes in the morning. It starts with how you position your business. It starts with what you put on. It starts with who you think you can serve. That's where it starts. And it's a powerful point to notice. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. Certified divorce coach and credentialed mediator Paulette Rigo invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. This podcast was created and inspired by our courageous journeys, love for connecting with others, and having meaningful conversations that teach, impact, and heal through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette will be joined by some of the most experienced and compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Listen to prepare and thrive through the toughest chapters as we reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly with encouragement, hope, and joy. Leave feeling empowered and prepared to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. Each podcast episode, focuses on sharing real conversations from real life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, the podcast. I am Paulette, your host, and today I have an exciting guest to introduce you to. Her name is Liz Detterer. She is the CEO of Selling with Service. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you, Paulette. I'm excited to be here. I am overjoyed. We met a little while ago, had a great conversation, and I said, you must be on my show. So I'm going to tell you briefly, everyone. So get out your pen and paper. You might need to take some notes, especially if you're a budding entrepreneur or a newly divorced single mom and need options. She is a 20-year, five-time entrepreneur and advocate for women and social justice. Liz empowers women to make money and create change. Liz brings wit and wisdom when she speaks on podcasts and conferences on women in business, sales, and money. Uh, Liz is also a mother of a, how old is she? She is nine going nine on. Nine-year-old little girl. And yeah, going is, on. <laughs> yeah, I know. They grow up fast, don't they? So Liz, let's start with your journey as an entrepreneur. And I mean, 20 years, five, five different businesses. What does yeah. that look like? That sounds a crazy. Little, yeah, well, I'm more like 35, 40 years and uh, 20. So I'm, I'm with you. We're on the same car driving the boat, driving yeah. down the road together, but I want to know what it's like and tell me about your journey. 
Yeah, so it started, um, I, I think that network marketing is the entrepreneurial gateway drug. Like, yeah, 100%. That is it, uh, a super sticker. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that multi-level marketing is the new gateway drug. Yeah, it is. Entrepreneurial, yeah. Yeah, that's and why, why, why I first got. Because why is that? Well, it introduces you. Uh, I was actually just, um, I'm a regular on a um, local radio show in Connecticut. And we were, we were just talking about this the other day, which is so funny. Um, and one of the, one of the reasons why is that it's the first time that somebody who's been conditioned to be in the box, who's been conditioned to do the things, to follow the schedule, to, you know, get the good job with the good benefits, show up on time, et cetera. The first time that someone is saying, it doesn't have to be this way. And you can have this whole other life on the other side. Like, is that not drug dealing or what? Like it's, you know, it's a hundred percent. And the thing is where network marketing gets such a bad rap is because of a thousand reasons. But one of which is, you know, they're well-intentioned, but they don't often do the work to really bring the clout and the muscle that we know as, as entrepreneurs, the grit is required. So I think that there's a lot of false advertising, but as a whole, um, it's a very viable business model. You know, if you want to get into this company was this and that company failed or whatever, no industry is ever perfect all across the board. Generally speaking, it's a very low cost to entry, kind of no barrier to entry business in a box system that's going to teach you all the core fundamentals that you need to know as an entrepreneur, regardless of what business you're in, how to talk to people, how to understand a product, how to move said product to said people, how to manage cash flow, how to look, you know, all the things. Mm. Oh, and that personal development side of things that you are confronted with, you know, 10 days out of, out of the week. <laughs> I would love to see, and of course, this is a utopian thought, but that for anyone that's considering becoming an entrepreneur on any level, for it to be a requirement to be an, a multi-level marketer uh, virgin for just, you know, of six months to a year, just yeah. not even, you know, just to, exactly the reasons you just said, right, that low entry, but it, 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 carves out the the communication and the the skills that you need in order to uh present yourself as a professional versus a wife and a mother not mm -hmm. that being a wife and a mother is unprofessional but it's a totally different world consciousness and mindset and wouldn't that be funny um and yeah just it's a totally i mean it really is it it can replace college yeah. If you enter it, if you enter it with a, this is the easy button that's going to get me out of corporate in six months mindset, sorry, you're better off putting your money in the lotto, right? I mean, and just sit on your couch and, and dream. If you enter it with the mindset, like, what am I going to learn through this? Who am I going to become on the other side of this journey? And what, what is this going to teach me? And this is a stepping stone to whatever it is that's next. Mm -hmm. If you enter it with that mindset, then it's, it's a trampoline that's going to get you to where, you know, it's a leapfrog kind of a thing. And that's what got me out. It was actually Avon, believe it or not. That was the first thing that I was like, these women are meeting on like a Wednesday afternoon talking about business and stuff. 
like, what is this world? I'd never seen anything like that. So that was the first kind of, you know, sniff that I got at entrepreneurialism. I think it was, I was like 17. Um, then I start working. I was a personal shopper's assistant at Saks Fifth Avenue and um, left there to go get a real job in corp, you know, at a, in an office. Um, hated it. <laughs> Not my personality at all. An accountant. Uh, firm. I, I have uh, clients that are accountants, but they're like the cool ones, right? So this was just not my jam. And while I was there, I missed playing with clothes. So I actually went back to the personal shoppers and the clients and I said, hey, this thing called eBay is just kind of starting. Like, why don't I take the clothes that I know you don't want anymore and I'll sell them for you on eBay and then give you a split. So that was the first business that I started at 18. I called it Finest Consignments and eBay was just starting. It was back when you had to code the pages to make them stand out and be fancy. And that's what I did. I would go to these, you know, hedge fund wives, <laughs> billionaire, you know, McMansion, not even McMansions, mansions, um, and pick up their old Dolce and Gabbana that they didn't wear, brand new Dolce and Gabbana they didn't wear, Armani, Gucci, whatever, sell it on eBay. And that was Finest Consignments, my first business at 18. Um, that I kind of, the first 10 years of my entrepreneurial journey were alongside my career because the story that was being pumped into me was get a good job with good benefits, you know, grow in your career. So that's what I was doing. I was, you know, had an ascension in my career. Everything was great and wonderful. Um, and then recession. So that was a big catalyst to things, obviously, for all of us. And that's when I was like, you know what, why don't I revive Finest Consignments? Because I'd been doing it here and there and in between. And, you know, at one point I got it up to like three storage units when I was, you know, just selling all the clothes online. Like it was a pretty, pretty big operation. I actually was approached by a venture capitalist who wanted to invest in the concept. Um, it, it, was, it was a wild ride. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't have the support system. I didn't have anyone who believed in what I was doing. They thought it was a cute little thing that she'll grow out of. Right. Uh, that venture capitalist, the idea that I had, we talked about it and he was one of the first investors in ThreadUp. So that's where that idea was going to go, but it wasn't my idea to, to birth into this world, but that, that was that. And then the, then I started dating my daughter's father and he was a carpenter when I met him. And this was around the time of the recession and I'm out there networking for finest consignments and meeting people. And I meet this woman who is looking for a carpenter to help her with some projects. I connect them. I'm chatting with her. We're going around on all these different projects. She's a realtor, but she keeps hiring him to work on these houses. And I was like, that's realtor sell houses. What is she doing? Oh, she's a real estate investor. Then we got into this whole world that I didn't know existed just by being curious, asking questions like what are, why are you a realtor fixing up properties? I don't understand this. So she introduced me to the world of real estate investing. So I ended up kind of shifting his business model into a full-fledged remodeling company. And we ended up flipping houses. I think we flipped like close to, you know, 30, 40 houses or something like that in the time that we were together. Um, so that was business number two that we grew I built his website. I did all the marketing for that, you know, kind of ran a lot of the operations. And while that's going on, um, I'm still doing the career thing, trying to figure things out. Um, and then I find out I'm pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and things are spiraling with him. Um, he's a, just a real POS and a alcoholic and the whole nine. So I'm like, all right, I'm pregnant. This is definitely not going to go very far. So it's going to be the single mom thing. Uh, the job I had at the time was the tethering nine to five corporate. I was at Carter's and Oshkosh corporate headquarters. Actually, I wrote their training program that they have in the retail stores. Um, I was in operations and that was a, you know, that was a nine to five or an eight to four or whatever it was. And I was like, this is not gonna work for me being a single mom. I took one look around the office and I saw the moms that would run out on their lunch break to go buy milk to bring home so that when they left the office, they could go get the kids from daycare to go home and make dinner. And I was like, like, no. There's a whole lot of no involved in that. It's not going to work for me. And then he's going to have to pick her up from daycare and he's drinking at God knows what hour. So this is just, if I'm ever going to really do the entrepreneurial thing, I've got to do it now, or I'm going to have to wait 18 years. That was the conversation in my head. So because of my kind of tech affinity, if you will, you know, coding the eBay pages and built his website, that sort of stuff. And I had connected with this, it technically is a, a network marketing company, but it functioned a little bit differently and they had a website platform. So I partnered with them and uh, my next company, New Solutions Websites, because I had my creative hat on that day, uh, New Solutions Website was born and that was the web design and marketing agency that ultimately got me out of corporate when she was seven months old. And I was making websites, um, for small businesses and doing their marketing strategies uh, and that sort of thing. And that's, that's what got me out. That's what helped me to become a single mom. And that's really where I started networking on a whole different level, meeting more women entrepreneurs, women's networking groups, this whole tribal sisterhood thing that I didn't even know existed. Women supporting women on a whole, like you don't do that in corporate. You don't, Women don't support women in the corporate structure, but they do in entrepreneurial land. So all of a sudden I had the sisterhood that not only was helping me to grow professionally by becoming clients, introducing me to clients, the whole networking thing, but there's this unspoken side of things that was really helping. They were helping me to uh, really become a, a strong, confident woman, a strong, confident single mom, uh, really to feed me on like that soul level. So that was... That was incredible. And then through that journey, um, technology started to change. Now we're going back about hmm, four or five years ago or so. The Wixes, the Weeblies, the DIY technology started coming on the marketplace. And, um, you know, it just didn't really make sense for me to kind of continue with the platform I had. Social was really starting to shift where it was less about just update your page and it was more about the nuances and the metrics. And I just didn't really wanna, like I'm a little geeky, but I'm not that geeky. So that, you know, kind of the extent of my, of my wheelhouse there. And also listening to my clients cause now I'm out full-time. So I'm not building the business while working full-time and pregnant. Now I'm out full-time and listening to my clients, they, they were, you know, air quote, picking my brain. What's, you know, the marketing strategy. And I was helping them with some sales conversations. And then I would, um, I would 
help them with, uh, I'd hear them on a sales call when I was hanging out of their office. And I'm like, why are we doing this work to bring you clients if you're just going to train wreck it in the conversation? Like, let me tell you what to say instead of the conversation. And it was just like really happening organically. And I started to hear uh, that that's really what they wanted from me instead was really the coaching, the consulting, the, the kind of sales help and conversation. Mm -hmm. And hey, that comes with no overhead, right? I don't have to continue to pay my consultants. I don't have to continue to have the agency overhead. So I started to shift my business model into coaching, consulting, kind of had this seven brands in one year as I was growing up and figuring things out. And ultimately selling with service was born. Mm. And that's the company I run now. Uh, our flagship program is the sales school for entrepreneurs. We're up to uh, 50 students right now, which is phenomenal. And we're getting ready to do our next round of enrollment, uh, hoping to double by the end of this year. So it's really quite a trajectory from where I was. And then business number five came and went pretty quickly a big learning lesson. This was during COVID. Um, in addition to doing the sales school for entrepreneurs, you know, as a sales trainer and speaker, I'm also, you know, if somebody gives me money for something, we're going to have a conversation about it, right? So people were hiring me to do different sales trainings, uh, conferences and stuff like that. And I connected with these other women. We just really hit it off. We started to kind of put together a program that we were uh, uh, offering to different organizations and just really working well together. And then COVID. And we all kind of got together and said, okay, well, what now? We're all sitting here. The world is kind of on pause right now. So how can we, we can still give value. What does that need to look like? And we just joined forces and we decided that instead of the four of us individually going out only, like we still went out for our own businesses, but we decided to form a company together, sales symposium to really go out and just the four of us together give a lot of value do a one day training where we each, you know, took a segment of it. So it was really leveraged. We all brought our own, you know, spin and flavor to it. Um, things moved very quickly, started booking a lot of clients. It was great, fulfilled all of our client uh, obligations. And then a really interesting thing happened during COVID, uh, George Floyd, social activism really is a strong, it's always been, always been. And then the world really took notice. Um, of all the injustice that's going on. And me being me, I can't be quiet about anything. I got very loud about things. And uh, really, you know, I'm out there in the protest, mask, wearing my mask, but out there in the protest, I'm doing the Facebook Lives, I'm getting really social about it. And uh, ultimately, they had the conversation with me that um, many of uh, the short, the, the, the Disney version is um, they don't want to be, they don't want to be politically aligned with me. Mm. I was like, awesome. Mm. Lesson release. You bring up such a good point. And I, I love this conversation. The very first thing that you said that stuck out to me was the word grit, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have a certain amount of grit to be an entrepreneur and it's not for everyone, right? Lady, mm -hmm. like if you're the kind of person that really enjoys having other people regulate and, and give you boundaries and expectations and you're, you get to go and Monday through Friday, nine to whatever, and you get your paycheck and your insurance and your 401, whatever, then this entrepreneurial journey may not be for you. I love the fact that you use that word grit. Mm -hmm. It does take some, I'm going to say balls, you know, and it that, does. that's uh, you know, not the, the girliest way of putting it, but it takes you know, I love how the Yiddish word chutzpah, 
Yes. Right? Like, yep. There's some Yiddish words that I'm like, yeah, like that's chutzpah, right? Like I yeah. that my father's friends were all Jewish and growing up as a little Christian girl, I was like, what's that language they're speaking, you know? But it's so true. It's, mm-hmm. it takes a lot, not to say that, you know, there's, there's not an edge and a femininity and a sophistication and an elegance to being an entrepreneur too. You know, it's, a, it's that fine line, but I, I like that. Now your tagline is, and selling with service. That's exactly what it is, right? You're not yeah. just selling and you're not serving, but it's both. And that is Correct. really, in my opinion, your genius zone of what it is that you do so well is the selling aspect and teaching women how to sell effectively. And mm-hmm. your tagline of helping more people help more people, maybe it's helping more women help more women. I don't know, not trying to change your tagline, but that definitely seems um apropos, as they say. So I want to ask you a few questions because you have so many business models and, you know, tidbits that we could drive in, but I, I want to keep the, the conversation succinct. But what what is that number one mistake that women make in conversations around and about money? It is so hard for some people to talk about it. What is it? We all do it. So I'll say it as long as everyone pinky promises that they're not going to like try to fix it, right? Because we're fixers. This isn't a fixable thing. It's just an acknowledgement of it and to notice it. That's all. There's no fixing it. Uh, It is that we make financial decisions for other people from our own financial positioning and experience. And that can look as simple as they could totally afford it. They could never afford it. It's as simple as that. And in business, it shows up. That's really the manifestation of it is uh, that part or judgment in a conversation or sales process. But it starts uh, before you open your eyes in the morning. It starts with how you position your business. It starts with what you put on. It starts with who you think you can serve. That's where it starts. And it's, it's a powerful uh, point to notice. That's very interesting. Naturally, my youngest client is uh, 19, my oldest is 73, so I don't know how much a a broader array I can working in the divorce world than that. Um, If you're younger than 19 and you're getting a divorce, then you really do need me. And, you know, if you've been married over 50, 60 years and, you know, at at what point do you just say, fine, I'd be happier without you, but (laughs) I don't know. And, and you know, we're talking about people arguing over a toothbrush over millions and millions of dollars. So I don't know how much more a wider could get, right? Male, female, long-term marriage, short-term marriage, children, no children, businesses, no businesses, assets, no assets, real estate, et cetera, et cetera. But it does all come down to the fact that when somebody reaches out to me, intuitively I say, do they really need me? Uh, And hmm, are they going to be able to work with me in a realm in which I've become accustomed because of my expertise? So I, I try not to be judgmental, but you're so right. Like it's, it is sort of that in the back of my head thinking like, hmm, how do I frame the conversation and not making assumptions? And again, maybe it is, isn't fixable, but knowing that that, hmm, precursor is already embedded in us and mm-hmm. I can see how that could go into every realm and and that's very um apropos now the next thing is the two words women use that keep them held back what are the words I just I'm just ah uh, I 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a second set is I'm sorry. Mm. Oh. Like if you really, you know, bump into somebody with the grocery, you know, with the cart at the grocery store, you know, yes, apologize for that. Right. That's like normal, but it's the constant, like, I'm sorry, I was late. Thank you for your patience. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. I spent my life saying I'm sorry for things I didn't even know what I was saying sorry for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very habituated. Yeah. Yep, I'm really working uh, with my daughter on on this. Like, first of all, it's apologizing when you need to take ownership for things, right? So there's that personal responsibility and accountable accountability thing um, that we're definitely working on. So it's it's the understanding when to apologize and what an apology actually is. Mm. An apology is changed behavior nothing more, nothing less. An apology is changed behavior. So when you say the words, I'm sorry, are you going to change your behavior going forward? And if you say, sorry, I was late, are you never going to be late again? No. So you say, thank you for your patience. Like my daughter's a Capricorn. So I have to break things down into like super deeper grounded logic with her. I'm an Aquarius, so I can stay airy fairy. Um, But I have to break things down into real logic with her. And I say, because an apology has changed behavior. You can't just use it so willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Take ownership in your stance. You're not sorry you're late. You're thanking them for waiting for you. Being understanding. And- yes, thank you for understanding. Thank you for bending and flexing with my schedule today. Shifting to this uh, entrepreneurial mode, because there's so many women out there that are newly divorced and now are faced with oh no, I might lose child support or I am going to lose child support. I might lose alimony or I am going to lose alimony. And they have no plan B, let alone C, D, or E. So for those that are now faced with the reality of, wow, how do I make money that's sustainable and that I enjoy? Where do they start? I mean, like we were talking about before, you know, a great place to start to really test your skills is and a great safe place to start. That's a low cost, low barrier to entry. Um, So few downsides is a network marketing company. Is that going to be the vehicle that's going to get you to six figures in six months? Highly unlikely, less than 2% of network marketers earn a a living wage, less than 2%. Okay. Um, I do have a friend that's making $80,000 a month in her company, right? I mean, there's, there legit are those people. I've watched her life change. I have seen all of that. No, I have too that is killing it and Roden it feels and has the pink Lexus and you know or whatever it is. And yeah, no, it is possible, but it it is a little disturbing when they feel like, oh, I'm gonna do that too, but they don't have the grit or the perseverance and the patience and the marketing skills and the communication skills that they need learning from someone like you where they can hold their hand and really get them through it. And it's a different world now. You, you can't live in your own little cocoon, particularly with the, the shift of the virtual um, nature of the last 12 months that we've all in, right. endured. It's um, a brave new world. I agree. There's definitely many ways. And, and it does get them to dip their toe in the water and test it and see like, do I have the ability and the skills and the personality to, to get into this world and make a living or at least a good side hustle where they're able to augment their, their current uh, financial situation. Yeah. And it's about managing expectations, stepping into it too. So if they can step into it and say, okay, I'm going to commit the next six months 
to really giving this thing a go, like really giving this thing a go. And I'm going to have all the CTJs with myself, all the come to Jesus meetings <laughs> with myself to really sit there and do an honest evaluation on a weekly or at least monthly basis to say what's working, what's not, what am I learning about myself? What do I need to learn about myself? Because it's going to open you up to this whole world of personal development if you're not already, you know, neck deep in it. But if you can manage expectations to say, this is my education for the next six months, let me pick a product I would use. Let me pick a product that, um, you know, do it from a market research perspective, do it from a true business perspective. What product line are people going after? what product line is ascending in the marketplace. You know, I think leggings are out. <laughs> I'm not picking on any product lines. I'm just saying, uh, pick something that has some sustainability, pick something that has uh, some recurring revenue component to it um, and pick something that aligns with you and that you can easily talk about and that you can be a product of the product too. And uh, when I was actually running a territory uh, for Avon coming full circle, fast forward, I think about, 10 years uh, from when I was first introduced to Avon, I was recruited into Avon to run a territory for them up in Boston. And one of the first things I did was the way that they teach you is they say, write down a list of, you know, 50 of your friends and family. And those are the first people you go to. No, nope. I do not allow that. And here's why you're going to, you're going to learn how to do pity sales. And then you only have a finite number of friends and family. So what I would have them do is write down their, you know, 50 friends and family, and then put a big X through it. <laughs> These are the people you do not talk to about your business. You need to learn how to talk to strangers. You have 50 friends and family. You have 7.5 billion people who do not know you. Strangers will take you seriously. Friends and family will know you for who you are and you will have a harder time growing as an entrepreneur with a network marketing company when you're trying to prove yourself to your friends and family. So that's your no-go list. Right. Well, I couldn't agree more. I love your work. Anyone out there with a business or wants to start a business, find Liz. She's amazing. Selling with service. Liz Detterer. You got this. Such an honor. Thank Everybody, you. Ladies, keep thriving in the chaos. Do not hold back. Whether divorce is your, you know, impetus for starting a business or just becoming a single mom like Liz, don't look back and reach out to people like her. She can teach you. I'm always here. You know how to find me. And um, thanks, Liz. Thank you. My honor. Talk soon, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaospodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.